Welcome to America's Retirement Headquarters, home of the Retirement Guys Formula and America's Medicare Associates. Securities offered through Peak Brokerage Services, LLC. Advisory services offered through the Retirement Guys Formula. Registered Investment Advisor, America's Retirement Headquarters, America's Medicare Associates, and the Retirement Guys Formula are separate and independent entities from Peak Brokerage Services, LLC. Thanks for joining us today here on America's Retirement Headquarters, home of the Retirement Guys Formula and America's Medicare Associates, 419-794-3030 is the number. Once again, it's 419-794-3030, online at americasretirementheadquarters.com. My name is Chris Swan. On today's show, we're going to talk about how to invest in a market crash, what history could tell us about the future, and answer the question, is it different this time? Uh, what do you guys tell retirees that are looking to generate more income with higher inflation? But first, let me check in with the guys. A little change up this time, but I've got uh, Nolan and Chaz Price. So guys, glad to be with you. Chaz, welcome back. How are we doing today? Doing good. Glad to be back on the show, Chris. Yeah, good to be here. Uh, you know, talking about uh, how to invest in a market crash. So it is, uh, I think it's going to be a great show for those of you that are maybe a little bit concerned about what's happening in the market. And also for those of you that are looking at opportunities, but uh, talking about crashing, I went to the gym this month. <laughs> <laughs> so I finally made it, right? Uh, and uh, been a little bit and then my body felt like it was going to crash. <laughs> there you go. You know, uh, it was good to be able to get back with the weather getting a little bit nicer and, you know, some travel and summer plans coming up. I thought it was a good idea. Uh, I have a great friend of mine that we have grown our kids up through scouts that meets me over there. So, you know, it's nice to have that accountability coach to mm -hmm. kind of help me kind of push through when times are tough. And, you know, hopefully with today's show, we're going to help push through when you're feeling times are tough. Maybe uh, not your financial coach, but, uh, you know, just be able to work through all of the concerns that you have in, in your total financial picture, you know, not only the financial side, but being your chief financial officer. That's really what we're here for and helping, you know, make sure you, you keep accountable and make smart decisions like, you know, Mike saying, I'll see you next week, right? Mm -hmm. Can't take another month off. And so, you know, it has been a little while since we've seen some some craziness in the market. It's uh, back a little bit volatile, and we're here to share some good ideas with you today. Again, help give you a little bit of confidence, a little bit of that accountability, buddy, that you need to walk you through the process and let you know things are going to be okay. We've accounted for this. So before we jump into that, let's talk about uh, something a little lighter, I guess, unless your bracket's already busted. March Madness is underway. The NCAA basketball tournament seizes the attention of college basketball fans this time of year, even people who aren't college fans who just like to, you know, fill out the brackets. But did you know that it might actually have five things in common with financial planning? Guys, we have the list here. What, what do you think? Do you agree with these? Well, you know, I have not followed basketball really closely. So if you look at me sports-wise, uh, I would call myself a Thursday night golfer. I typically play over at Riverby in the summer. I'm, I enjoy football. I enjoy sports. I enjoy watching things. But with basketball is probably one of the areas that I don't spend enough time looking at and, until it becomes popular like now with March Madness. But you know, when we look at it, I think March Madness does really apply some of the same concepts to how people apply their finances. A lot of times people will pick their March Madness brackets based upon, you know, how they think the uh, mascots look, as an example. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. maybe they'll go on and they'll listen to the predictions of the experts and they say who are going to be the winners, too. And, you know, if we look at it, a lot of times investors, they're going to pick their investments based upon what the gurus or the talking heads on Wall Street say is how to position your investments with the hot investments for this year or, you know, based upon past performance or, or simply just, you know, picking something that looks good. And, you know, when it comes to your money and your finances, it's something that is probably not the best approach, I would say. Yeah. Part of the reason being is, Chaz, I think you would point out and agree is, you know, the markets are really unpredictable and the markets can be volatile no matter what the environment is. 
Yeah, I agree. And actually, a few years ago, there was a perfect bracket that was picked. And just the guys uh, that did that picked the teams that had the tallest players. So, tallest players? Yeah. So maybe that might be something to put into your strategy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that exactly fits for investments, but I would agree. I mean, picking investments, picking stocks is very similar, I guess you could argue, uh, to you know, picking teams on the March Madness bracket. One of the things is that sometimes there is a lot of upset. You know, there's sometimes it doesn't always pan out the way that you want it. And so, you know, I could even add into this list diversifying, maybe even getting into a couple different brackets and trying a couple different lineups to kind of spread the risk around a little bit. Yeah, I mean, even going back prior to basketball, if we go back to the football season, you know, from the Super Bowl to the playoffs, how many, you know, down to the wire you know, decisions that it come down to. And it was such a great season mm-hmm. to watch all the games. And, you know, to me, um, you know, I think a, a big part of it comes down to coaching. You've mm-hmm. got to have a great coach that, that kind of gets you through. We did an interview recently with uh, Coach Mike Jarvis and one of the most winning NCAA coaches. Uh, and we talked about what are the principles for winning and how does it apply to your financial life. Um, if you haven't had a chance to check that interview, uh, that is available there on YouTube. Just type in America's Retirement Headquarters, click on the playlist, and look at our interview that we did with Mike Jarvis. In fact, uh, for any of you, if you haven't read his book, if you call our office, I have a couple of uh, copies of his book here at the office. We'd be happy to drop that in the mail to you to help you maybe win when it comes to your finances. But with games and everything, I think there are so many things that we can apply to the markets right now, as well as with what we see with basketball. Number two is emotions, right? Mm -hmm. It's tough not to let your emotions get involved. Um, Sometimes it's nice to have a coach because we can take a look at it from maybe more of an outside perspective and try to help remove those emotions. And, you know, usually when it comes to investing, emotions are one of the worst things to allow yourself to make a decision on. You get euphoria when the market's doing good, so you want to buy more and you're buying at a high oftentimes, and then you get fearful or in a panic state and you want to sell where the market's at a low. But again, if we think of the basics of investing, it's pretty simple. Buy low, sell high. Right. Yeah. Markets on sale, you want to look for opportunities. Markets high, you want to look for protecting profits. Yeah. And and I think, too, with that, a lot of people assume, you know, that emotions don't matter when it comes to finance. I think there's a lot of research that shows that we make financial decisions emotionally. You know, we're first and foremost, we're we're animals. You know, we have that emotional part of our uh, makeup. And if we're not involving that, in the financial decision to a certain extent, um, we can't get to that logical thought process sometimes. So I think it's important to identify what those pain points are up front and so that we acknowledge them, we, we kind of soothe the beast there so we have a plan in place that is going to take into consideration when things get volatile and bad because they are, but we've accounted for it. So we're not saying emotions don't matter and to totally you know, just avoid them completely in the financial decision process because I would argue that might be impossible. Yeah, and I'd say when emotions get involved, when it's investing, one of the things that an investor typically wants to do is make a change. Yeah. They make a change because it gives them a little bit of a piece of feeling like they're back in control because mm-hmm. you can't control the stock market. So if you make a decision to make change, maybe you get a little bit inside of feeling like you're back in control. But I caution you um, a couple of things. Number one is if you completely change gears, meaning you go from an aggressive portfolio to an extremely conservative portfolio and decide that you're going to wait until things get better. History has proven that that's a very painful lesson 
that unfortunately people make over and over again. So again, what I don't want you to do is I don't want you to shift gears completely from one direction to another, unless there's some major life change that has occurred, but don't make that decision based simply upon what is happening within the market. What I talk about is I talk about uh, maybe the difference between uh, taking a step left or right, Mm -hmm. maybe an idea to look at, Chaz, I know there's a difference between what we would refer to as uh, strategic asset allocation and also tactical. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd love to get your opinion on the difference of you know what you tell your clients and the strategies when you know markets are a little choppy like this. Yeah, I would kind of frame that answer in the context of a, a phrase that one of my stock mentors gave me is that we've been in this movie before. We know that, like you said, historically speaking, the market has always performed well tends to always recover if you give it a long-term time frame. I think the question of a tactical uh, versus a static strategy, and static meaning that you know we're going to be in, in all the ups and all the downs regardless of what goes on, is really determined based on what your experiences have been. You know What you've experienced in the past can sometimes have a determination on what you're willing to go through again in the future. I tell this story often. We had a client a few years ago came into the office, we'll call him Bob. Bob retired from GM in 1998, had about $1.8 million. And as you know, shortly after that, we had the tech wreck, where for the next three consecutive years, the market was down significantly, down 9%, down 11, down 22. And Bob experienced a loss where, you know, he's taking out 4% from his portfolio, the market's down 40, he's down 50, because he's taking that 4% Mm. out. You know, Bob, uh, eventually goes and, and starts, you know, doing the investing thing on his own. You know, he starts looking at stock charts, uh, following the market, builds it back up to 1.2. And then lo and behold, what happens? 2007, 2008. And a lot of people kind of put the Great Recession in that little 2008 microcosm. But if you remember, Nolan, it was actually a really long downturn. You know, the, the market drop started in October of 2007 and just continued to go down until we hit the bottom in March of 2009. And so that's an 18 month slog that he had to endure. And, you know, so uh, I asked him, I said, wow, you know, where do you sit now, Bob? And he's like, well, I've built it back up to about 2.2 million. And, you know, I kind of chuckled and I said, hey, you're looking for work (laughs) because we've definitely, you know, that's a that's a pretty great accomplishment to go to ride that volatility out. And he said, no, you don't want to do it like I did. There's a lot of you know, we made some some risky investments and some choices and things like that. So, you know, I think the the point there is that not all portfolios are built the same. Um, if you've experienced in the past some significant downturns and, you know, I, I often mention when I first met with Bob, you could see his body language when, when I start talking about the markets and about, you know, what we do and how you ride it out and, and ups and downs and that. And you could just see he's getting uncomfortable. You know, he's had some experiences. And so, for a person like Bob, for somebody that's experienced, you know, a significant downturn that's weathered it back up and is just done with the market, you know, a tactical strategy might be one that you want to look at. A tactical strategy would be one where we are taking a look at, you know, the non-emotional, mathematical, sort of methodical part of the practice where we can track some trends and some moving averages to kind of give you a sense of, uh, we can't time the market, but certainly we can kind of give you an idea of whether we think it's a good time to buy, hold, or sell. And, 
you know, sometimes that would result in, you know, completely being out of the market. You know, we've got some strategies that have done just that over the last few months. We've been slowly moving clients into cash and, you know, it obviously has its trade-offs. A tactical strategy is not without its own risks. And the risk is that similar to the way history has shown, when the market comes down and finds a bottom finally, you know, you get the most performance in those next few weeks. We saw it in 2020, you know, with COVID. It, it came down hard, but it bounced up rapidly. So oftentimes in a tactical strategy, you're going to miss out on some of the, the best earnings weeks or days, but you're not falling out of bed. And I think, you know, for those of you that are listening today, the, the you know, biggest that this applies to of understanding the methodology of your investments, you should do that no matter whether you're working with us or anywhere else or even doing it yourself is having a defined methodology. The best thing you can be is be a disciplined investor. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that I loved about the Marine Corps and the service to our country that I, you know, was in the Marine Corps, is I think it gave me a lot of discipline to help me being a financial advisor and being disciplined in the principles that we follow here. And the best way that I describe it is kind of like the roller coaster rides, you know, at Cedar Point. Um, I remember bribing my son uh, at a young age to ride the Millennium Falcon mm -hmm. with me. And I look over and, you know, he had white knuckles. <laughs> and, you know, it's maybe fun when you're a kid, but when you're retirement time and you're talking about the roller coaster rides of Wall Street, a lot of retirees don't want that. Yeah. And so part of the tactical approach, a uh, couple other reasons why it's important to consider right now is if you look at your investments and you think another 2000 or 2008 environment's gonna happen and you're saying, you know, I don't know what would ever happen for my portfolio to protect me from losses, you're the type of person that we should have a conversation with because protecting your portfolio before a downturn happens is a good idea. Yeah. Um, again, and, and maybe looking at ways to limit and reduce further downturn in the portfolio's ways to, to do it. But it does take a lot of hard work and dedication, whether it's uh, basketball or whether it's coaching or football. You know, your finances, it takes a little bit of work. You know, we as financial advisors are always willing to put in the work with you, but it is definitely a team approach. You know, we see a lot of statistics about people planning their spring vacations or, you know, their Christmas parties and holiday parties and, you know, how little of time that they're willing to spend looking at the, the financial trends or their investments and developing a plan. And at the end of the day, sometimes some of the best things to do is to stay the course. Mm -hmm. And I think by having a conversation with somebody who uh, does this all the time, uh, that's one of the best ways to kind of help get those questions that you have answered to figure out, are you doing the right thing? What is the methodology? Uh, are there some steps that you can take and not make a decision that's going to be a painful lesson that in five years you look back and say, wow, I wish I would have talked to the guys then. Yeah. Don't be seduced into thinking that because you've been an aggressive investor in the past or that an investment advisor or maybe some online quiz that you took answered 10 questions and said that you were aggressive. <laughs> um, don't let that determine what your actual risk tolerance should be. It's a lot more in-depth than just answering a 10-question questionnaire because we see oftentimes that when we ask a client, what's your uh, philosophy on risk? And they'll say, well, I've always been aggressive. And then so let's be aggressive now. And then we go into, um, you know, go into a market like this. And now you're just aggressively losing money. Well, so, in, you know, for 28 years, we ask these questions and, you know, we do want to get to know people. And I think through development of time and really understanding somebody's unique individual situation. And as you point out, life's experiences, mm -hmm. those are the true questions to figure out how a portfolio could be allocated. Because one thing I would point out is on those risk tolerances, 
Um, a lot of the times, some of those risk questionnaires are actually designed to protect the company. You know, if something bad happens, they'd yep. say, well, you answered it this way, right? They're not huh. really trying to find out the CYA. true core of yeah. what's going to happen. The other uh, thing that I saw is an article that said the number one factor on how people answered risk profiles was the weather outside. Wow. Really? Yeah. And <laughs> three, in practical experience, in practical experience of asking the same questions about how do you feel about the markets right now, you know, which is something that we uh, ask people in face to face meetings and, you know, events that we do. Uh, another driving factor is where the current market conditions are. Mm -hmm. So when you have a crash like that and, and markets are down, people tend to answer more conservative. They feel more conservative. And then when times are tough, they answer you know higher risk that they feel more aggressive. So again, it's about understanding who you are and you know running those different environments to get a true understanding as far as what the risk is within the portfolio. And then figuring out how that entire risk applies to your situation because some people can't afford to just sit on the sidelines forever because they risk outliving their income mm -hmm. uh, while other people can't afford to take major downturns because they risk going broke if the market doesn't recover quickly. So again, it's about knowing your situation, about knowing what your plan is and then developing a plan based upon those specific answers. So a lot of good questioning up front helps get to the end answer. But if you're feeling uncomfortable, the easiest thing to do is just start by having a conversation. Never hurts to talk and get a second opinion. Yeah. I was thinking too with the uh, the March Madness analogies, what about the term defense wins championships? Where they say offense wins games, defense wins championships. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think you could also make that correlation to the market and to an investment strategy as well. In some cases, it's just as important to not lose as it is to gain when the market's going up. So. Just thought I'd add that little anecdote into there, too, in our March Madness. Absolutely. Analogy. And uh, let me give out the number really quick to, to speak and, and have these questions addressed with America's Retirement Headquarters, 419-794-3030. Once again, it's 419-794-3030. I don't know if it was intentional or not, but there has been an overarching theme throughout the show with kind of throwaway comments that we've made, you know. Uh, Nolan, you talked about returning back to the gym earlier this year and, uh, you know, having a conversation with basketball coaches and, and your military service. And all that ties back to having discipline, having having some degree of discipline, being able to stay the course, knowing when to make what moves and, and, and how to go about it. And if you find that you lack a little bit of discipline when it comes to your retirement plan or lack thereof, if, if you panic when the market takes, you know, even the slightest bit of downturn, you need that shot in the arm. You need that discipline. Give a call. Schedule a time to speak with America's Retirement Headquarters, 419-794-3030. Because let's face it, the stock market has continued to struggle with volatility. So the question is, is it still the best bet when it comes to generating income for retirement? Uh, the Wall Street Journal posed that question, and it says the threat of interest rate hikes by the Fed is making bonds and cash much less attractive. So I don't know. Are stocks really the only place where we could possibly make money right now in a retirement plan? If we are, in fact, in correction territory, what's the move? Well, I would say that I think having money in the stocks and using that for current income is a disastrous strategy, quite frankly. I think, you know, the approach that I would take is, you know, what we have is what makes us unique here at America's Retirement Headquarters called our independent income system. And it's so important to apply, I think, the independent income system when you're looking for income in retirement time, because the challenge is, is with the stock market, you know, although we're willing to give you our belief about what the market's going to do, you could read a million articles that'll give you their opinion. At the end of the day, the stock market doesn't care what my opinion is. The market's going to do what the market's going to do. So if you're relying upon your stock market investments for current income, 
what happens is as the market deteriorates, and if you're using a common approach that a lot of uh, financial professional firms use called a pro rata withdrawal, meaning that they're selling off a portion of the investments each and every month to cover income needs, in a declining market, what happens is they have to sell off more and more of their investments to get their income. And so they're accelerating the losses in a declining market. It's, so it's called a sequence of return risk. And one of the ways that you can try to eliminate the sequence of return risk is, again, you know, looking to create a bucket of money. Maybe that first bucket of money for current income is designed to cover the next one to three years. And oftentimes that bucket of money, you may want to use things that are not subject to stock and bond risk. You want to look at things like uh, accounts that are designed to give you a pay raise in the future. And by no means am I not saying that stocks and bonds can't be part of an overall portfolio. In fact, I love stocks. I think there's a lot of great stocks right now and a lot of great opportunities. So if you are an investor and that you have five or 10 years before you need the money, let's talk opportunities in the market. Um, and, you know, even within the market, I think it's important to look for strategies that generate income too, because you have in the market growth versus value. Growth stocks have done really good. So when we think of growth stocks, we think of like a lot of the technology, you know, a lot of the companies that are rapidly accelerating and growing. And for a long time, you know, 10 plus years, our economy has been growing and growth stocks have done good. Yet as inflation goes higher, what it would tell us that history says is it tends to slow down growth stocks and more value stocks become in favor, which value stocks are some of the ones that, you know, tend to provide higher dividends and income. And, uh, you know, we share an office here with Camelot Portfolios, and they do a good job explaining the concept of the uh, apple orchard. You know, if you have all of these trees out in the apple orchard and you go and you chop down your tree, a.k.a. sell your stock, mm -hmm. the tree's gone and over with. But if you could just live off of the apples, a.k.a. the dividends and income that your portfolio produces, you can just live off of the apples in your orchard and don't chop your trees down. Uh, so income is important when it looks at uh, the stock market, but it's also important in context. And so the sequence of withdrawals and how you withdraw money from your retirement accounts, uh, I think really does apply, which is why I think the independent income system has been you know, so popular here in uh, working with our clients for the past 28 years. But um, what would you say to that, Chas? I would agree. I think you're spot on. I think that's probably where the term, that analogy that you just came up with with the apple orchard is, I could argue that's where the term yield came from. Like most farm, our farmer clients get that analogy. Um, and our, we have clients that own rental property. And when we talk about uh, owning a stock portfolio or a share of stock is, um, you know, very similar to owning an acre of land. You know, as long as you're farming that land or you're renting that home, you're going to get income from it regardless of how much that acre of land or that home might actually be worth. In some cases, the market can actually say that your home is worth less than what you paid for it. But that is not actually a, a loss that you're going to realize because you're not in the business to sell. And so I think when people think about the stock market being down and concerned about what that's going to do to their income, one of the strategies that we use often and the concept that we uh, make a distinction between being a, an accumulator or an advisor that specializes in accumulation is transitioning now to an advisor that specializes in retirement income planning. And that opens up a whole other skill set where instead of only looking at how to build wealth, now we need to learn about 
how we're going to stretch this wealth out over your lifetime. And that's, I think, really what people want to know. It's uh, just as important, I would argue, if not more important, to have a a sound income strategy, whether it be the bucket approach, uh, which is kind of what you're referring to, or an income strategy where you know, we have a portfolio built that's going to pay five, six percent of income. And as long as we're able to generate, you know, maybe the required minimum amount that we need to take out of your portfolio each year or to cover the gap of whatever your Social Security and pensions don't cover, uh, clients are typically a little bit more comfortable in a down market because they're able to continue on as business as usual. That money is working for them, even though the stock market says it's worth less than the, the shares are worth less than what they paid doesn't matter because the companies uh, are still making things, still selling products, still very profitable businesses that we're buying. And so that's never going to change. It may be, you know, the the market may be at sometimes irrational to say that they're not worth as much, but who cares? Because as you said, you're, you're not in the business to sell at this point. The other thing too, with bonds, uh, we're looking at rising interest rates, you know, in a rising interest rate environment, your bonds tend to lose a lot of, of value. And so, you know, that's one more reason why just owning, you know, bonds and, and not taking a look at the whole entire picture, what you're what you want those monies to do uh, might be a misstep for a retiree. I did do a little bit of fact checking just a second ago. Chad. Yeah, who the, said that quote? Uh, Bear Bryant. So it's actually in pertaining to football. But the analogy mm-hmm. still does ring true. You know, if you uh, do a good job in the first three quarters running up the score, you switch to that defensive minded formation in, in the mm-hmm. last you know, you don't want to you don't want to give up the lead. You want to preserve what you have. And as you enter into retirement, you want to preserve what you've done, hopefully a good job in your working career accumulating. And so switching that mindset from, uh, you know, accumulation into preservation takes a little bit of work, takes a little bit of going back to what we said, discipline. Uh, and that starts with picking up the phone, giving a call, speaking with America's retirement headquarters, 419-794-3030. If the market volatility has got you a little bit of nervous, you know, and you need a little bit of that pep talk, that, that confidence, that discipline find out how you're allocated, give a call, schedule time to speak with them, 419-794-3030. Always find them online at americasretirementheadquarters.com. We appreciate you joining us this week uh, here on America's Retirement Headquarters. Hope you have a great week ahead of you. And uh, guys, as we wrap up, I'm going to leave you with the final word. I got a great quote for us this week. It's the best way to predict the future is to create it. So have a great week. Thanks for tuning in. And just remember, when you think retirement, think the retirement guys. Thanks a lot, guys. America's Retirement Headquarters is located at 1700 Woodlands Drive in Maumee, Ohio. You can reach them by calling 419-794-3030 or online at americasretirementheadquarters.com. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussion should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments can fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Nolan Baker is not affiliated with nor endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency and does not provide legal or tax advice. Please consult with your attorney, accountant, and or tax advisor for advice concerning your particular circumstances. Annuity guarantees rely solely on the financial strength and claims-paying ability of the issuing insurance company. By contacting us, you may be provided with information about insurance and annuity products offered through Nolan Baker, Ohio Insurance License Number 27787.